Pouring down, coming in from Cabot today, from about um, the other side of Jacksonville, all the way here to Little Rock, it was lightning and thundering and pouring. And foggy. First, well, the foggy doesn't bother me. I mean, I could see well enough, see taillights and stuff. Yeah, but between the rain and the fog, oh my gosh. But what drives me crazy about when you get that much rain, you know, I had to slow down to about 50 miles an hour because yeah. i was hydroplaning yeah. out there the roads feel a little bit slick if you're out there early on pay attention Didn't like it don't attention. don't like that elizabeth it was a good weekend though three-day weekend for me i know that uh you know you, you had to, to work a little bit yesterday but uh, you doing all right this morning yeah but the beauty of working from home is you get to schedule it the way you need to well, that's true i'm that's a self-employed true. contractor so i get to roll all around that clock she does all the good stuff she's doing good stuff well i hope you enjoyed uh, robert steinbach yesterday he was on fire yeah he I, that's what i hear i was asleep i'll be honest <laughs> i slept through the show you zach i slept through the show if you'd yesterday. had it on there was no way you could have slept you know what time i woke up yesterday i woke up at 10 o'clock yesterday good job good job I, it was I, your I day actually off slept through yeah so that that was good then i got up and i made uh, hash browns uh some southern white gravy oh yeah cooked a couple of eggs threw it on the hash browns put the white gravy over all of it Ooh, breakfast good old southern breakfast yeah i like that it was breakfast yeah my doctor wouldn't have liked that i ate that too many carbs but i ate it anyway because i figure you eat carbs early enough you burn them all off that's a theory you get rid of them that's a theory you can get rid of them just don't be eating them at nine o'clock at night you can't do it all day long they will stick to your midsection can't. so for dinner last night had asparagus peas I took uh, potatoes, cut them up, and sprinkled, uh, you know, uh, some uh, ranch dressing oh, yeah. stuff on it. Baked those, and Roast then a uh, couple of uh, uh, these uh, pieces of chicken that Tyson makes with teriyaki on them, and uh, cooked those. And that's what Sounds we had for good. dinner. It was Sounds good. Really it was good. good. Didn't need any. Then I sat down and watched Washington. I've been watching History the, Channel. Uh, the History Channel two hours uh, on Sunday night two hours last night and then two hours tonight finishes it up so i know you don't really watch a ton of news at night or during the day but i mean do you find that your tv habits have changed a little now that everything on the media is so leftist (laughs) no i watch a little bit of news now before i go to bed just because i want to know kind of what's going on before i hit the rack and then when i get up at three first thing i do is walk in and hit fox just to see what the big stories are and i'm not interested in what they're saying about the big stories i'm interested to know what the big stories are well that's you've got to do that i'm 
what I'm saying, I, we found at our house that we're not watching near as much news and oh no, I don't uh, come, you know, I don't opinion go home shows and, turn and all on that three, stuff. Three sixty, which is Fox, yeah, and and leave it there to watch, uh, you know, uh, the evening lineup, and Tucker the whole Carlson, long and then shows. watch uh, Hannity, and then watch uh, what's her name, uh, Laura I, Ingram, yeah, Ingram, the Ingram angle. I don't watch three hours of that stuff. I talk about that stuff. And what I find is interesting is the things that I've said early, early, they're repeating what I'm saying. It's all that 24-hour news cycle. What I'm getting at, though, is there's so much propaganda Mm. on the news. I just have gotten where I don't even listen. The minute they start saying, well, we're going to have a panel or so-and-so is going to come on and tell you what to think about what you just saw on the video that the individual said word for word, then I've decided I'm not really interested yeah, if you got if you went to an event, and let's say Bloomberg was there, let Bloomberg say what Bloomberg said. Watch the video. You don't have to tell me after they move away from it for the next ten or fifteen minutes what Bloomberg <laughs> what said. What he said, what it meant, what it could mean, what everybody else thought about it, and what they said on Twitter. Yeah, now Who cares? I I don't have all of the sound. That's one of the bad things about being on at this time in the morning is that. The rest of Salem's not awake yet. <laughs> and about 11 o'clock, there'll be about 30 or 40 pieces of audio that drops. Well, that's great if you're an afternoon talk show host, not if you're doing a morning show. And I've been inundating them about every other day. With Give me a, some audio with, in the morning. Yeah. yeah. How about some audio in the morning? I know somebody's got to get up to somebody's do it. Somebody's up. But come on, you know, so give us some. Because I really would have liked to have this stuff that Bloomberg is saying. It is amazing what they're digging up on him now. Cause he Somebody's will not, after him. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think that he'll go to the debate Friday night? You think he'll do be I on the stage? I think he'll go. Yeah, I do. You think? You I, sure? I, am I, I sure? I don't know. I don't know if he wants to be on the well, debate stage or not. Well, there's another side of that argument. Yeah, I, hmm, it may fit better into his strategy not to be. His and strategy he can keep saying is he's just, the contrarian candidate. Just kind of. drop all these ads on television and tell you what he believes without answering to back it up and then to ch- explain why he didn't feel that way not more than about four years ago. If he doesn't show up to answer the questions, it won't be long before he will be forced to do so yeah. somehow. I mean, really. I hadn't thought about it like that, though. He doesn't have to answer. He's certainly inundating the airwaves. I was a little surprised to see, even before Mayor Scott in Little Rock announced his intentions, I was a little surprised to see all the stuff I'd in like Arkansas. I'd like to know how people in Little Rock feel about that, especially the black community after they're hearing all of these things that uh, Bloomberg has said about the black community. Well, and just about everybody else that's not a rich, wealthy, you know, oligarch. So It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Liz Harrington will be with us coming up here in just about 20 minutes. We'll be talking to her. She's spokesman for the RNC. We're going to talk about uh, the Nevada caucus Cockeye? Saturday. Caucus? It's, it, well, I, what is it? Is it a cockeye or a caucus? I don't know. Coming up on Saturday. So uh, Elizabeth and I will discuss that. And then at uh, about 8.20 this morning, Dr. Ted Love will be with us talking about sickle cell anemia. And at 7, of course, it's the uh, Bible guys. Yes, so they'll sir. be here. Full full day. We got a full we got full stuff to talk about let's talk about but, bloomberg first. but yeah i mean i i said it a moment ago did you see steve bannon over the weekend he no, actually called not. bloomberg an oligarch oh did he call him an oligarch? a couple of times in that's his interview funny. he was interviewed on sunday at maria bartiromo 
Yeah. And uh, he did. He called Bloomberg an oligarch, which I think is a perfect word for it. Yeah, it really is. It's a a really, 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 really rich person (laughs) who's trying to buy an election, basically. Well, and think about this. It wasn't that long ago we had that impeachment trial. We had a lot of talk about the oligarchs and the Russian oligarchs as being the power brokers that were maneuvering all these things. So to, yes, to use that word when we again. Need her. <laughs> I mean, Sanders is calling Bloomberg out about this. They should. But uh, not, not so much uh, Nancy Pelosi. I'm sitting here grinning, but Dave, i got to tell you, I'm very offended with the idea that they the left went after trump because you're going to buy the presidency oh, excuse yeah. me what are you doing right now excuse me and no, you're letting the guy because you are guy. so bad on your own what you can't I always find a told good candidate you about the democrats they project everything exactly what exactly. they do or what they want to do they project on you and then they do it and they absolutely refuse to look at themselves and realize it's their own fault oh, and they're no. going they, down this hole as know. hard as they can go they know it don't don't ever believe they don't know what hole they're going down they know <sighs> what rabbits they're chasing yeah but why i mean you're making your whole party look like a f- anyway maybe it's foolish <laughs> except to the people on the red meat side for the democrats yeah that's they're they're excited that they're doing this this is what they expected them to do and they right. want it they want to go out and just let somebody buy their presidency yep all right so let's talk a little bit about bloomberg okay last was it last week that the story started coming out about what he had said about uh, you know stop and frisk and throwing black young black men up against the wall and frisking them and all of that and over the weekend when they started talking about the sexism and so forth and he stopped it cold with the rumors that he's going to run with hillary Oh. change the news cycle right away but it's not going to go away the people that are after bloomberg have started throwing their grenades about yeah. every day boom here's well, a new video here's the boom one here's a new state today that i found very interesting because i can't remember the colorado governor's name that believed this way back in the 90s and i said folks understand Look, they were all, we were already talking about government-controlled health care because Hillary was pushing it. Does everybody remember when Hillary Clinton was pushing single-payer when Bill Clinton was the president? When they first started chipping away. Yeah, and then she got blown up. So she couldn't uh, – they, they couldn't do it. Uh, who was it? Uh, the, the ads that they did that were so great of uh, the man and the woman sitting around the table talking yeah. around them. And, and those were great ads, by the way. But uh, Bloomberg, gosh, what was that governor's name? Roy Romer, who it was? Okay. Who made the statement that old people should be like leaves on a tree, and in the fall they should fall from the tree and, you know, basically just die, okay? Because they were talking about the cost of government-run health care. So what's Bloomberg been saying well in 2016 let's go back by and see what he said if democratic presidential candidate mike bloomberg was 95 years old and had prostate cancer he'd be able to afford advanced and extreme medical care to improve and extend his life but if a 95 year old non-billionaire had prostate cancer that requires medical treatment using taxpayer dollars bloomberg said in 2011 that he should be denied treatment. Quote, 
if you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice day, live a long life. There's no cure and we can't do anything. If you're a young person, well, we should do something about that. Bloomberg warned that society was not yet willing to make hard choices with respect to treating older Americans. And this is, quote, going to bankrupt us, unquote. It will (laughs) bankrupt you because you and your stupid minions out there have put the government in control of health care by using taxpayers' money to pay for it. And they have no business being in health care at all. It can be done in a different way. I mean, you've taken away all of the great things that hospitals used to do. You know, they used to treat people, and then they would just write that off on their uh, income taxes. They, they can't still do, do. That. Well, they still do today. They can't do it as well, like yeah. they used to. Bloomberg's 2011 statement surfaced as he released a proposed health care plan to improve retirees' lives from giving low-income workers access to government uh, provided retirement savings plans to bolstering Social Security. Bloomberg said he would limit out-of-pocket drug costs and provide federal coverage for long-term care costs. So what do you believe, Michael Bloomberg? Do you believe in federal coverage for long-term care costs for older Americans? Or do you believe that they should just go off and die? That's the question now. Dr. Robert Butler, who coined the term ageism back in 1968, man, I didn't know it was that old, said generations throughout history have justified the futility of granting the aged access to health care due to unfounded ageist beliefs. He defined ageism, quote, a process of systematic stereotyping, prejudicial attitudes, and direct or indirect discrimination against people because they are old. And why? Because everybody gets old, and it scares them. And your own mortality scares you. That's what it, That's basically what it's all. How, how old is Michael Bloomberg? Uh, he's 70-something. Hmm. Yeah, but hmm. he's got more money than God, basically. And so he well, can pay for whatever treatment he wants to have. Yeah, oligarchs can just take care of themselves, can't they? Okay, so you got Bloomberg saying that. And on top of that, they've got him now saying, what's it take to be a farmer? You dig a hole, you put a seed, you cover up the ground, and you water it, and the corn And it grows. just grows. That's all yeah, you got to do. that's what he said. So let's say he, he, uh, he started turning off old people, and he's starting to turn off the farmers, and he's uh, going after... Uh, Black folks, uh, yeah, you know, minority throw them up on the wall and just frisk them. And he's being heckled now at events by people with the uh, for the Second Amendment because he's absolutely against guns. Wait till Me Too gets into the act because that mm-hmm. started up over the weekend as yeah. well. Sexism just for years, keep years. On. Keep 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 listening. It's going to get worse for Michael Bloomberg. He, I, I want to see how well he handles all of this. It's going to be interesting. Six twenty-two. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. We'll come back. We got more. Uh, coming up at 6.35, Liz Harrington, spokesman for the RNC on the Nevada Caucus. We'll talk about that in a few moments. All right. Back with you. 6.26 in the morning. It is 60 
61 degrees out there. Let me repeat that to you. It is 61 degrees, but it's going to get cooler. It's supposed to be 45 by about yeah. 5 o'clock. As the afternoon goes. Did I see something in the, like on Wednesday, maybe some snow flurries in the area? Did they you say, say there's a possibility, but uh, the ground surface is not going to be. It won't stick, right? It won't okay. stick. We may not even see it fall. So I don't have I, I don't have my Claxton ready to go for, you know, milk sandwiches. <laughs> I, I don't have that ready to play yet. This your morning. grocery list now. Do the bread and the, the yeah. milk. Get ready. All right, 61. Now, Bloomberg basically was talking about killing the old people. Farmers are stupid. And uh, he was being heckled by folks with the, about the Second Amendment. And he's, I mean, he's just out there talking about, where is that story? Hold on, i got to find it. Uh, Bloomberg, who helped spearhead support for Virginia Democrats who promised to pass gun control legislation, and we'll get to that in a while, uh, in the Commonwealth this year, boasted about helping the state legislature turn blue. I've been to Virginia more than anywhere else. I've been involved in Virginia politics since long before I became a presidential candidate. In 2013, I was a big supporter of Terry McAuliffe. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. He also referenced the uh, violent 2017 Charlottesville's protest, saying, of course, Virginia had to grapple with its past while Terry was in office. Uh, in 1718, 19, we were fighting against the hate displayed in Charlottesville, he said. Last year, in more than 25 years, all that work paid off, and Democrats took control of both chambers of the Virginia State House. Let's see how long they can keep it now that they're trying to get rid of all uh, the guns in Virginia. And we'll talk about that a little yeah, later on in the show since they didn't pass it. They tried, but they have not gotten it done. So, uh, we found out that the uh, governor in Colorado was Governor Lamb. That was the governor who made this famous quote. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Elderly people who are terminally ill have a duty to die and get out of the way. Wait, instead of- remember, say that yet? Say that again, what well, is it? This is not directly the quote. The quote's coming, but... Elderly okay. people who are terminally ill have a, quote, duty to die and get out of the way, unquote, mm-hmm. instead of trying to prolong their lives by artificial means. People who die without having life artificially extended are similar, quote, to leaves falling off a tree and forming hummus for the other plants to grow. The governor said to the Colorado Health Lawyers Association at St. Joseph's Hospital, you've got a duty to die and get out of the way. There you go. Let the other society, our kids, build their lives. You're how old? 20 what? 27. You have a duty to die. (laughs) The government will figure out what is the right age Age. for you to die. get out of the way so someone else can build their life. Isn't that scary? That's crazy. That's scary. What was it they made so much fun about Palin about when she talked about death panels? Yeah. They've been talking about it for a long time on the left. Let me just tell you. Hold on to that because I need that. This this governor, the last time he served was in 87. Yeah. And he is a Democrat. Yeah. So 87. How long have they been been chipping away at this, folks? Just tell you. Wake up. Wake up. All right. 6.30 in the morning, time for you to get some news. Let's do that. And then Liz Harrington. All right, so coming up on Saturday, oh, by the way, 61 degrees and 25 minutes to 7 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But uh, coming up on Saturday is the uh, Nevada caucus. 
early voting, I think I saw, stopped today. They'd had about 26,000 people vote thus far. So they got, that's that's not that really high energetic level I think they were expecting as far as that. Liz Harrington, spokesperson for the uh, RNC, is with us right now. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? Hey, Dave. I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right. Getting up early is, I'm getting used to it. I'm slowly yeah, but you're surely. you're at a different time now. Yeah, I am. I am. I used to be doing afternoons. If This is my third week of getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to be here and do this morning show. I got to ask you, I'm going I'm to rehab uh, Elizabeth read a quote to you. And this goes along with what we've been talking today about. Who said this? All right. Okay. People who die without having life artificially extended are similar to, quote, leaves falling off a tree and forming humus for the other plants to grow. You've got a duty to die and get out of the word, out of the way. Let the other society, our kids, build a reasonable life. All right. So who said that? Who do, who do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> that don't, was Governor don't, 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 Lamb don't, don't, of Colorado don't, don't. back. Are you ready for this? this a Democrat. In, 1984. Yeah. 30. Well, he sounded like a Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 36 but, years but ago. guess who else sounds like him? Bloomberg. Right. Bloomberg. No, uh, I mean, the way this guy talks about people, I, I love everyone acting as if, oh, he's going to be a real problem for <laughs> President Trump. It, it's like this guy, like he's the guy that, uh, you know, wanted to ban big gulps in New York City yeah, and 32 ban ounces. styrofoam. And I mean, the guy that's too afraid to actually go out there and campaign. Uh, I just saw that he qualified for the debate stage. Does he really want to debate? Because that's what I said. That either. Will he come on stage and debate? I don't know if he will or not. I mean, he's better off just being on the airwaves and be like not getting the attention and just going up in the polls. Like he was better up if nobody uh, paid him any attention. But yep. now, as a debate, he's going to go down in flames and it's going to be a disaster. Well, that's good. I I kind of like watching that kind of stuff happen to the left. <laughs> hey, it might make the debate more exciting. It sure would make it more interesting. It's been, uh, you know, tough to watch, tough to get through without falling asleep. So I'm looking at polls, and I, I don't traditionally pay much attention, except that I'm seeing Sanders now is opening up a significant lead over Biden. I don't know if that's a setup so that Biden does better. They can say, see, he's coming back. But... Uh, uh, I look at that and I go, this is a guy who really took some shots in the last couple of weeks by one of those unions out there in Nevada. And there's plenty of unions in Las Vegas. Let me just tell you, it's crazy when you get into the uh, casinos. Do you know it cost me $500 to get a phone line put in when I went out there and did a show one time? It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It had to be done by the one union put... 35 feet in and then the last union that hooked me up had to put in three foot and they charged me more than the people who put 35 feet in it's incredible but anyway enough on that what do you think does sanders have a real shot out in nevada yeah it seems to be it seems to be he's the the front runner he's getting uh the most grassroots support i did i did hear you mention how 
some of the early voting going on. I think that's because they're all so nervous about another debacle yeah. in Iowa <laughs> because nobody knows, nobody's been trained how to count nope. their votes and everything else. They can't use their app that was done by the shady, you know, yeah. <laughs> Clinton people. So everyone's actually just going out and voting, not because they're excited and energized to vote like we are for President Trump, <laughs> mm-hmm. but because they're just, they don't want to waste their time come Saturday and it'd be a complete disaster. Um, so, look, I think I think Bernie is in the lead, but it's because they have no one else. I mean, let's be Bloomberg's not going to make it. Biden, it's just embarrassing at this point. The idea I saw him on MSNBC yesterday, and he was talking about all the incoming he received and the news coverage. He said, "Well, that's what happens when you're number one, mm-hmm. and you know you have to scratch your head." Well, you were number five in New Hampshire. You were number four in Iowa. It's been 33 years, Joe, and you still haven't come in first place in a primary caucus. That, that's it. that is true. I mean, you're just stating the obvious. Of course, for a lot of people on the left, facts don't matter. Feelings <laughs> do. I've got a shirt that deals with that. And it says facts trump your feelings. But uh, it, it just am- amazes me how people put, have you know, started off saying he is going to be our our uh, nominee. And I was thinking, really? Right. Joe? No, I never bought into it. I've been saying that for months. You know, this is a guy who's never like, why would we be worried about Joe Biden? He's never made it out of Iowa before. <laughs> and he really shouldn't have made it out of it this time. But since there was such a debacle with counting votes, and since nobody had any idea what the heck was going on there, they still don't <laughs> yeah. really know. Um, it kind of gave him a lifeline, but the idea that you wouldn't drop out after fifth place, and Elizabeth Warren as well, fourth place in a neighboring state, it's that everybody gets a trophy primary. And this is <laughs> ridiculous. That's good. I like that. That's perfect <laughs> That's for the great. left. Yeah. You it get is. a participation and you know trophy. Why you yeah. hand out trophies to everybody because you don't actually have a real winner. They don't have yeah. a real candidate. They don't have a real first place. And they know none of these guys can go up against President Trump. All right. Make sure you use that participation trophy in every every <laughs> I, interview I you do. I've using it. It's a good one. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> really, that is. That's really good. I like that. You, I'm going to do. I'm going to do something on Facebook about that. I'm going to put well, little ribbons on them if, or something. You know, second place is the first place. Third place is the first place. Fourth and fifth, they're not dropping out. It's yeah. absolutely absurd. Uh, you've never seen a primary like this where everyone actually dropped out before the voting began, <laughs> and now nobody will drop out. That's the truth. Elizabeth's got a question I, for you. I'm wondering, what do you think is going to happen with Mr. Sanders and all of his very, very passionate supporters? They're not going to be happy with just a participation trophy. Well, that, yeah, that's a very good point, and that's why I think they're just uh, cooking up disaster for themselves. If it's not Sanders... After what happened last time, which it was chaos at the convention in 2016, it's going to be chaos. If Mm. if Sanders has the most delegates but not a majority uh, and they somehow don't give it to him, it's going to be uh, absolutely chaos. And that's the problem for the Democrats. They've brought in this radical wing into their party. It is now their 
their solid, passionate base. That's, That's right. the only people coming out and really passionate to vote. And yet they also don't want him to be the nominee because he's way too open about how far left he is. You can't actually say you're going to tax the middle class. It's just unheard of. Even though every single one of these candidates would do it, every one of these candidates are advocating the same policies uh, as Bernie Sanders. It's just they're saying, oh, no, we take a different tone and maybe a little bit longer to get there. Uh, but they that's why they have such a big problem. They don't actually want to nominate someone who's so honest about it because they're afraid he's going to lose in a landslide. All of these candidates are going to lose in a landslide. But they they also want his supporters at the same time. So you see these shenanigans <laughs> like Bloomberg now qualifying for the debate, uh, changing the rules. And so how do you unify behind this? It, it just it, it does not look like they're going to be unified anytime soon. All right. So. The name that everybody was saying after New Hampshire, I haven't even heard mentioned in the last week, and that's Klobuchar. Right. They're not even paying attention to her anymore. What do you think? Well, it's because, you know, you came in third place. Third place isn't first. Yeah. And she doesn't have the infrastructure in place. And also, look, take a look at her record. Uh, take a look at her policies. Mm-hmm. What, what's actually compelling? What are the results there? And now she's going, she's singing the same tune. She's going far left. She's saying, get rid of the electoral college. We need taxpayer-funded abortion, uh, public option, which is the same mean, or different means to the same end in single payer. Uh, she's, just, she's a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal, which is one of the most radical things we've ever seen introduced in the in the Congress. It, She's just as radical as the rest of them, what she's selling. Um, and I just don't think she's very compelling. You know, it's a little it's a little late also to try to get your second wind, and then you have all of these different states to compete in. And that's Biden's problem, too. He's got no money to compete in any of these states, and nobody wants to back, you know, a loser who hasn't been winning. And Klobuchar hasn't been winning either, uh, and I just don't think people, a lot of people see a pathway for her because w- which states is she going to carry? And the list ends up being very short. Yeah, very narrow. It does. By the way, you wrote an op-ed last week that was excellent. I had been talking about the exact same thing. It was funny when it came out. And then I took, I just used your op-ed and I, I gave you credit for it. But you said the same thing I was saying. There is no, you know, middle people in this uh, Democratic uh, uh, primary group. They are all radical leftists. They really are. And we've never seen these ideas being pushed forward as if they're mainstream. They're not. And I got tired of hearing it on every cable news network, including Fox. This idea because, you know, Sanders is the out-and-out, self-avowed socialist, everyone's trying to make it seem like everyone else is a so-called moderate. Well, they're not. They're not this isn't the centrist lane. It's, it's the far-left lane. It's not even the left lane. I mean, these are radical ideas. Pete Buttigieg uh, is talking about, you know, taxpayer-funded abortion as well, uh, but justifying it. 
until a baby takes her first breath. He wants to decriminalize meth and heroin uh, and the border. Uh, They all raise their hands to give uh, taxpayer-funded health, quote-unquote, free health care to illegal aliens. These are radical ideas. I, I made the difference. You know, what's the real difference in policy Buttigieg and Klobuchar, they won't take out the terrorists, which, you know, you, you used to have Obama, at least he was droning terrorists, right? Yeah, yeah. He was taking them out. Now they won't even say they'd take them out. And Bernie, he just goes a little bit further and he says, hey, let's let them vote from prison. Yes. <laughs> What's the real difference here? They're all radical. They're, try- they're the poll-tested version of socialism, trying to sell these radical ideas into a nicer sounding package. Because Buttigieg says the same thing on issue after issue after issue. Bernie and I agree. Yes, he did. Uh, we just got to take a different, quote, tone. And uh, we're not going to fall for that. Yeah. Semantics. You got to learn your semantics if you want to be a really a true leftist like right. Ayers was. I mean, it is a total <laughs> semantics thing. But you listen to Buttigieg, what he's actually saying, it's the exact yes, same it thing. Yes, it is. It, it definitely government is. control top down. I'm going to tell you, no, your job will go, Washington will decide what you do and will transition you into a quote unquote green job. It's absolutely authoritarian. Yeah. One more question. Elizabeth. I just I have a comment. It seems to me and I wondered what your thought was. It seems to me that Bloomberg and uh, Buttigieg are both extremely polished and you know, they, they're putting on a performance and they don't really have a lot of substance back behind it. Are they using the same consultants? <laughs> it's pro- you know, there's only a pool of so many of them. That's why you end up having the same people that failed on Hillary's campaign building the app for, <laughs> for Iowa, the broken Iowa. So I'm not sure about that, but it's always ends up being the swamp and the same type of people. And that's what's funny about Bloomberg. Uh, This idea, I mean, we've raised records, which is super important when you've built up infrastructure and you have now a a ground-up operation where we have local volunteers. But that all comes up from the top, right? The energy Mm -hmm. is fueled by a president that's actually following through on his word and making changes and getting this booming economy and just doing an amazing job. Yes. So we can use those resources. However, you look at Bloomberg. Hillary had all the money in the world. She spent twice as much <laughs> as we did in 2016. It That's didn't right. make her a good candidate. I like that no. point. And now Bloomberg has literally all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. He's going to spend all of it. He's going to waste all of it because he's already floating ideas about Hillary being his running mate. Oh, my God. And what's he talking He's talking about farmers need more gray matter. I think they need more gray matter on his campaign. (laughs) I love it. If he spends all All his money in the campaign, he won't be able to buy his wonderful health care and his leaf will fall off the tree. That's right. Liz, we'll let you go. We know that you've got other uh, interviews coming up. I won't hold you. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Very good to be with you. All right. Bye-bye now. Liz Harrington, spokesperson for the Sounds RNC. like she's been awake for hours. Yes, she has been. <laughs> 61 degrees and about 10 minutes till 7 here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right. We've got seven minutes before 7 o'clock. It's 61 degrees. Chances showers uh, before noon. Then a chance of rain afternoon. So why didn't they just say rain today? Chilly today. See, I don't Temperatures get, are going to drop all but day. I don't understand it. Why would you tell me 
a chance of showers before noon, then a chance of rain afternoon. Because there's a difference in showers and rain <laughs> to a weatherman, I, I, I guess. I get it anyway. It's written that way. <laughs> hey, I'm just reading it, all right? I didn't write it. Uh, falling around uh, 48 degrees is what they're saying on the temperatures. Right yeah. now it's 61. Yeah. Tonight, 20% chance of some rain before midnight, then mostly cloudy, a low around uh, 39. Uh-huh. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a uh, high near 51. Hey, That's sunshine bad. tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, that oh, would be good. Wow. I, I need sunshine. I'm a sunshine kind of guy. Uh, rain, a chance of rain on Thursday. On Friday, sunny, high near uh, 49. And then Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 30. I don't know about you, but it, spring's coming and I can't wait. Yeah, it's not that far away. It really isn't. Need it. Need Pretty it. soon the lines at Home Depot and Lowe's will be out to the road. All right. All the and farmer's markets. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Hey, and Bloomberg says to you, what's the big deal? All you got to do is dig a hole in the ground and put a seed or a, a plant, cover it up and let it grow. And it grows. That's, That's all you got to do. do. He's not met me. I got two black thumbs. I planted like $180 worth of uh, azaleas one time. Killed every one of them. No way. He killed oh, every Lord. one of them. They all died. And I dug the holes deep enough. I put, all the stuff. I put good potting soil and uh, and good uh, uh, some extra stuff, you know, bone meal and all stuff like stuff that in there. All the stuff you're supposed to do. And... Uh, there's a lot of clay uh-huh. where I live. Yeah, but bad, I, I bad had, location. I, well, I built a huge hole for them, so they should have been fine. Maybe. Not so much. The clay is nasty. It's, it kills lots of stuff. Well, it, <laughs> it killed my azaleas, I'll tell you. And I love azaleas. It smothers the roots, you that's, know. That's why I love to watch, you know, the uh, the, the open and stuff when they, they go out and play out there and Spring's they got all the azaleas in bloom in georgia it's gorgeous it's just With all this rain maybe we're going to have a up. really pretty spring do you think maybe 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 it's worthwhile we'll, all we'll this see. darkness we'll see and then you walk outside and the mosquitoes will be as thick as they are <laughs> in alaska have you ever watched those shows on television i love you know life below zero and the, the Alaskan shows about, Bushmen. Yeah, the, I don't watch the Bushmen. I watch the, the the Kelsey family or whoever they are. But anyway, they'll be show they'll be showing them, and they're standing there and cutting a cutting a, a video piece, and it's like they got so many bugs flying around them. I could not handle that. That would drive me absolutely bonkers. So I'm wondering they they like coat themselves up with pig grease or something to keep these mosquitoes from biting them and stuff deep i guess yeah i, have I no, don't know i have no idea all i'm going to tell you just just kind of look at the the long shots and stuff when they're kind of out of focus and you can just it's like a gazillion mosquitoes i mean i would think you could be like drained i'm one of those people that i get bit Nobody else does, so that just freaks me oh, out. They'd carry me away. <laughs> I could not handle that. That would just be bad. All right, so when we come back, let's tell you about Virginia and what happened to them. But uh, first, we'll get to the Bible guys because yeah. they're up next hour. Yeah. we got a lot of questions for them as well. They're here. They went back to the uh, the break room having some coffee and talking about the – I give them the, the questions so they can start 
kind of formulating uh, their answers. They got some good ones today, so we'll get to that here in just a moment. Elizabeth is with me. She'll be back at 8 o'clock, so don't go anywhere. She'll be back with us. And uh, she's the one who dug up that piece uh, that we were referring to by uh, Governor Lamb from, what was it, 36 years ago? 36 years ago, 1984. He said said death panels, right? What was he said? Well, leaves falling from the trees. And when you're old, you should just get out of the way. Yeah, what did he say at the end of that, though? He said it's. It's up to you to die, basically. Yeah, you got to you got to die. It's your responsibility to die. die. You know, everybody's going to die. The thing I've got is when is the government going to sort of say you get to live until this age and then you must die? Oh, it's coming. You must die because we only have so many resources to take care of people's health. So we got to spend it on the younger people and not on those old codgers. Uh-uh. No. Here it is. Give him the, give him the very end of it. One second. Got to get it, it going up. here. Here it is. You've got a duty to die you and get out of the way. You have a duty to die and get out of the, the way. way. And Bloomberg basically said the exact same thing not more than four years ago. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. we got more. Bible Guys are next on the Dave Ellswick Show. seven o'clock hour and that means it's a tuesday at seven o'clock which means of course the bible guys are here billy's not here today because he is under the weather he does not have the coronavirus <laughs> we know that he doesn't have that so i don't have to call in a disinfecting crew um uh, you know now to take care of the the studio that's what's fine he, but he does have either a or b uh flu evidently he's All not right. he's mm-hmm. really under the weather so uh that that flu just kind of kicks your rear end it's uh, 707 and it's 60 degrees and we've got uh, Scott here from Agape Church he's the pastor there we got Steve Hess who's here and he of course uh, is here to to help out Scott when Scott needs uh, some extra help oh, yeah. in the site yeah sure Dave <laughs> and so we're going to come back we're going to ask a lot of uh, questions we're going to talk a, a little bit about peace here first so here we go let's we got to start off with this today Some of you remember this song. Now I've been happy lately, thinking about the good things to come. And I believe it could be something good has begun. Oh, I've been smiling lately, dreaming about the world at <laughs> one. You don't remember this? Never and heard it before, I no. Believe wow. It could be someday it's going to come. Here we go. Because out on the edge of darkness. There I you ready? The train. There's the peace dream, baby. Oh, peace, <laughs> peace, <laughs> peace, <laughs> peace, <laughs> peace, 
Seriously, we'll let that go. Because I know that if you're watching on YouTube, we'll be back in a few moments. All right, they cut us off when we play songs oh, right. like that. Gotcha. Yeah, that that's Cat Stevens. Uh, I think that's from uh, what was it? Something in the Tillerman is the name of the album. When would that have actually been? 1970, 71. All right, big. I was, I was big one. Was it? All right, you've heard the song "Morning Has Broken," right? How's it go? You know, morning has broken on the first morning. It's about creation. Mm-mm. Okay, no. well, he was the he was a writer and pro, you know producer of that. I, I thought if I heard it, I would recognize it, but I I didn't. And then everybody found out later he was a practicing Muslim. He's changed his name now to a Muslim name yeah, and I'd, everything. I'd, I'd heard that. Yeah. So anyway, really. he was huge. I mean, he was he was monstrous huge. Oh, and wow. then uh, he turned his back on it for his faith. Really, kind of interesting. Hmm. Was that having to do with the with the Vietnam War type thing, looking for peace? I don't or think things so. Like, no, I don't think no. that it did. I got a text from my wife. She knew the song. Yeah, see, she oh. knew it. She yeah. knows it. it. Ask her if she was. She, did she start singing it when she heard it? <laughs> just, I'm just wondering. I'm just kind of interested. Yeah, when people do that. Did you, you didn't know it either, Steve. No, no. I should have started off with uh, that song about uh, you know. Be the brotherhood of man and all of that. That would go along. Anyway, the question. <laughs> the question I would like to Dave's ask again. trying to again, educate us. He sees he's getting nowhere. I'd like so. to ask again the question from last week from a different perspective. I asked, what would be your peace plan? What would be your peace train if you could influence the president? Now, I was wondering if you could tell me what you think world leaders and especially the leaders around Israel think and what, if anything, they might do in response I know there's some saber rattling right now, but how do you guys think it will eventually shake out? Well, we all know how it's going to read Revelation. <laughs> we, we all know how it's going to shake out. But go ahead. Um, from a practical um, application, what I would do is I would remind everybody involved of the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm. And I would say to the Muslim people that you were promised land and your um, half brother was promised this land. And this is the peace plan. Israel gets Israel, and you get the 12 nations that were surrounding Israel, which is what you were promised. I think it says 12 princes were going to come mm-hmm. from Ishmael, and that would be the the extent of any peace plan I would offer. But I would also, uh, and then I would encourage Israel to, to defend that, um, because this is, the, people don't understand that this is not a geopolitical event this is a spiritual event that's right and there's a reason israel's back in the land and they i believe they have to do what they did when they went into the land of canaan initially i believe they're going to have to fight for it and i believe that they just need to that that's what i would offer the president and say you need to this is the covenant right here this is the covenant the descendants of ishmael get this this piece of land and israel gets this piece of land and destroy if you don't like it then we'll kick you out you'll lose see you yeah Okay, I, I would I would agree. I think that uh, if I was going to do that, I would lay out the scripture. Just get the the boundaries are very clearly defined in the word from from here to here, from here to here. Lay out those boundaries and say the only peace plan that's going to work. Go Can ahead. I say sure. something for people who are listening? Say, yeah, well, that's the Bible. Of course, you would. You, the first four books of the Bible are accepted by every Muslim mm-hmm. in the world, or should be. Yeah, yeah. as far as I understand, mm-hmm. am I correct? The, the law they accept they accept the law they change a few things in yeah. it but uh, they change uh, they change the son of promise from uh, Isaac to Ishmael uh, they switch so they would it around. claim the land that I would say they don't get ah yeah they they switch okay. the, it actually it says um, uh, like um, it it tells there's a, there's a phrase in there uh, it says uh, at one point it calls Ishmael your uh, 
your only begotten or your first I, I forget. Uh, Isaac is the only one that's referred to right, your they switch that around yes. yeah and they make they make Ishmael um so uh, and so they claim the promises uh that way so yeah but otherwise they accept uh, they accept it for the most part except they say that Moses was a good practicing Muslim right uh which is I mean if if, if you know it's I don't know how you do that in the fact that, you know, Muhammad wasn't born until 600 years after Jesus. So there was no Muslim faith until then, but they retrofit it for everybody uh, prior to that. But nonetheless. Um, and I don't remember Moses ever calling God Allah. No, 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 he did not. Nope. Nope. And so I would do the same thing. I would take, I mean, for me, this, you know, I, I don't think this peace plan um, carries water. I think that it's wrong. Anything that deals with the two-state uh, solution, we already have the two-state solution when they divided up uh, the, the ancient, when they divided up the Middle East in the first place, uh, they gave uh, a whole country, uh, a whole country to what, what is what is known now as Palestinians. They called it Jordan or Transjordan, and they gave the rest of it to um, to Israel. Uh, and so that was the end of it. So there isn't there is no such thing as a great Palestinian nation in that nope. sense. So the only peace plan that's going to work is God's peace plan, and God's peace plan is His word, and His word defines boundaries. His word defines borders. And only, the only way we're going to get peace is by allowing God's word to be true and let everybody else be a liar. And if you're just, and we'll be waiting a long time, yeah, for that. But if you're, you know, if you're a Christian out there and you and you have a tendency of not knowing how you're going to fall on this, let me just say this to you: that when God gave the covenant to Abraham, God gave him the, Abraham the covenant and said, "This is the sign or the seal of the covenant," and it was the circumcision. So every Jewish child that was was circumcised, blood would drip from his foreskin, and this was more or less God ratifying with every male child born, this land is yours for an everlasting possession. So if you're a believer out there, that word everlasting should be important to you. Uh, everlasting doesn't mean just until mm. Jesus came, but it means always. And actually the Bible says if 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 I could you know if the stars can be numbered, um it, then I then I will cast off uh, Israel as a as my as my chosen people. As long as there's time, as long as there's a heaven and an earth, there's always going to be an Israel in the mind of God. <clears throat> but this is this is a real kicker for me. So I've asked people this question before. I ask people, how many times did Jesus shed blood for covenant? Well, most people say, well, on the cross he shed his blood for to ratify the new covenant, and that's true. But Jesus shed blood for covenant twice in his life. Once which everybody knows about on the cross, but he also shed blood on the eighth day of his life when he was circumcised. Mm -hmm. And so the very same blood that purchased our soul also dripped from his foreskin and ratified the covenant that God had made with Abraham since Mm -hmm. the beginning was this is the sign and the seal of the covenant. So if you're a believer out there and you feel that you, there needs to be some more dividing up of land, listen, you're going against the very blood of Jesus when you try to remove the plan and purpose of God for the nation of Israel from God's original uh, territory that he gave them. It's a divinely decreed territory, and right. that's the only place there's peace. All right, we need to get to the traffic, so let's take a break here. We'll give you some time to chew on what Scott just told you, which was really important. Amen. All right, we'll be back to talk more. 16 after 7, 60 degrees <coughs> traffic here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. By the way, Cat Stevens' album was T. For the Tillerman. That was the name of the album. And it had that song on it that I played, Peace Train. It had Morning Has Broken. And it also had another song, Wild World. That's the other song that was on. That was, Wild World was the song that kind of launched him on oh, radio. Right. 
Right. Great song. Anyway. I might have heard it when I was in the womb. I don't remember. Yeah, you, that, that's when you would have had to hear it. <laughs> All right, so Bible guys, I felt a little slighted last week, oh. says our writer, with my question about what the Bible guys saw happening in 2020. I was especially surprised at Billy being so evasive. Hmm. Now, we'll ask Billy next week. I'm going to hold on to this so that he can uh, talk about w- why, if he thinks he was evasive. I don't think he was. I'm not asking for a prophetic word, just if there was a feeling for what is to come. I know you guys must be in prayer and study much more than the rest of us, so I hope you don't mind me pressing the issue. Also, any thoughts about who might win the White House? Steve? (laughs) Well, I think think we were talking about it. I think think the last time this was asked, I think that what was kind of implied was, do we have any prophetic words? And so Billy was like, I'm— not doing the prophecy thing or something. That's yeah. my yeah, way. He said, that's not me. <clears throat> right. Yeah. yeah. So that might, that might be what he's talking about. And right. there are some people that are um, prophesying certain things. Um, and I think what we ended up going down this path was that people need to be very, very cautious that do that. Um, <clears throat> because I'm of the mentality that, you know, in the old Testament, if someone prophesied an event and it doesn't come to pass, they get killed. Um, my view today is if someone prophesies and says, thus says the Lord, and it doesn't come to pass and they're not allowed to open their mouth ever again because it, it blasphemes God's name. So I'm very cautious around people who go, God said, God said, God said. I often think, uh, I jokingly say, Isaiah's in heaven going, wow, those guys hear God more than I do. Um, anyway, so 2020, I, there's a lot of people um, saying a lot of different things. Uh, Pastor Scott, will um, um, that the Lord laid upon his heart that this is going to be the year of the Spirit. And I, I believe that, and I do believe um, that some good things are going to happen. But what's the trend What's the example that we have? Before people awaken, they got to get smacked. It's over and over again where God said to his people, come to me, come back to me, come back to me. But it wasn't until after the judgment came did people awaken. Um, and I'm hoping that we have a great awakening before that happens. But the, again, that's not the trend. Um, I, I and We kind of said a little bit of it off the air beforehand as far as a nation, I'm greatly concerned. And when I hear all my friends that are going, Trump, 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 everything's fantastic. I go, yeah, it's great. The economy's great. We borrowed another trillion dollars to make the economy great. Eventually, this is going to come home to roost, as they say. Um, I I have been anticipating the collapse of this country for about a year or two. Been wondering when the division, the strife, the infighting is going to take its toll. Because even Jesus said of a, of a, that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And we've never been more divided. So I anticipate great uh, turmoil, uh, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, I don't know. But I do believe, though, that in the midst of that, people will remember their first love and will come back to the house of God. But they've just been running away. So I don't know. I'm not as uh, maybe for the next year or so it might work out. Um, I think if the economy holds up, I believe Trump will get reelected. I think that's the only thing that will hold him up because, I mean— uh, outside of this, everything else holds him very close to that 50% range. And if the economy is the only thing he can tout, and if that collapses or just res- or rescinds between now and then, he could lose. So I anticipate that he'll win, but we've got to get back to God, not back to America. Mm-hmm. God is what made America great. And just because we're rallying around a president who loves America, that's great. But we've got to get back to God. I like the uh, bumper sticker that you know a lot of people put on their curses. God bless America. Have you seen the one that says America bless, bless God? God? Yeah. Oh, right. No, yeah. I haven't seen that. I kind of like that yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, get back to 
how it's supposed to be. Right. right? There was supposed um, to be praising God. You remember the the document that was written? It was by a Frenchman named Alexis de, de, de Tocqueville. Yeah. Uh, the French sent him over here uh, to find out what was causing this new nation to be on the rise so quickly. And his paper he wrote to, to the French government was, he said, America is is good or great because America is good. And America is good because America um, has the voice of God in it or something like that. He talked about how there's churches on every corner. The ministers preach, the, the pulpits fume with uh, the fire of God. He says, this is why America is good. And therefore, uh, God is blessing America to make it great. I would agree with Pastor Steve. It's, it's all about God. It's not about um, America. Uh, but as far as my what I said about the year of the Spirit, I really felt that was that was for our local church. I wasn't, you know, trying to lead the nation, and this is what's going on. But I knew for our local body, this is what the Lord was saying to us. Now I have heard subsequently that other people have been saying uh, the same thing, which you know uh, that's great, and, and I know the Spirit of God will be speaking to a lot of different people, and this is probably happening around the world. I do believe when seasons come. Um, the season hits everywhere all at the same time, or hits everywhere. May, may, you know, fall will come in New England faster than it comes in Texas, but eventually it arrives. So I think that there's a swings and moves of the Spirit. But if we don't, if we're not a people led by the Spirit, then we don't know what to say. Yeah. And so we've got to come back to our first love. When we get our first love, then we can go on to our second and our third love. And quite honestly, for, for all of us, your first love should be God. Your second love should be uh, your family. Your third love should be your, your church family. Your fourth love should be maybe your, um, your, your what God has called you to do. And then way down the line is America. Um, but if America takes too dominant of a place in your in your thought life, your prayer life, your meditation, then uh, then you might have an idol there. You might want to check that at the door. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Anything can be an idol. Anything can be. That's right. Yeah. Making America I, great can be an idol. I think mm-hmm. a shaking's coming. How that plays out, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at what's happening now, I mean, I mean you know, and I'm not very politically engaged at the moment, but if you look at, you know, what we have happening, you know, as far as the selection of uh, of possible future leaders, and you look at what's on offer right now, it would make it should make you tremble in mm-hmm. your in your in your boots. I mean, you, you said you're watching this, this series Washington right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, series. I mean, you know, what do you think Washington's position would be if there were people like this rising up to try to take leadership? I mean, well, the society would reject them, and they would not. That's have. that's the key. <clears throat> yeah. uh, the society would totally reject a lot of the thing, abortion, right? The way it's uh, it's being handled. Didn't They'd Reagan write that? The immigration, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, they yeah. they totally reject that. I mean, I have people who ask me at times, what was my father like? And I tell him he's a conservative. And he said, what would he think about now? And I said, he'd be taking out his M1 and cleaning it again. (laughs) He would, he would, I know my father would say, I fought against this in Europe. Right. Yeah. And now it's here in my own backyard. Right. The thing you say about Washington, I saw somebody post a uh, a meme that had a picture of Washington and it said, I don't know about y'all, but I know me and my homies be stacking bodies right now. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right, we're we're down to just a few minutes remaining. I read an article last night uh, from the Christian Post. You guys familiar with the website? Mm-hmm. I was reading it, and it was a guy from over in Denmark writing what was different about America from Europe. And he said, you know, when you look at stats— in Europe, you'll find pe- families that say that they're, you know, 
members of such and such church and things of that nature. But they go to church maybe one time a year, and that may be Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. that they show up on it, or maybe Easter, I don't know. He said the thing that he sees that's so much different about America from other countries is that the gospel is still preached in America freely, Mm -hmm. and people uh, take it for granted. Yes, they do. You know? That was one thing, you know, because I lived in Europe for most of my life, and... um, and that was one thing that was always a challenge because you would talk to people about being Christian, and from their standpoint, they're all Christians. Yes, uh, they're they're born into it, so it's not even a matter of faith thing; it's just a tradition thing. Uh, and so, to, you have to first convince people you're not a Christian, then show them how to become one, and then convince them they need to take that step. I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's a very it's different a way. It, it, it really is. It's it's a, a, you have to unconvince them, destroy what they think they believe, and then rebuild it. And unfortunately, this whole baptizing infant things. Because a lot of them will baptize infants as a matter of tradition. Mm-hmm. And, and for them, that's it. I'm done. I'm good. I've already been baptized as an infant. Then you have to convince them, well, no, that that didn't mean anything. So they'd have to, you have to deconstruct what they believe, convince them they're not a Christian, then tell them how their baptism was not authentic and how that wasn't right. And then you have to rebuild their uh, their belief set from there. It's a little bit longer process than, than most. That's not the <laughs> Roman road, huh? And, yeah, right. <laughs> the Roman road with a couple of uh, a little uh, side journeys. The... Uh, Taking for granted uh, and the softness of the approach to the gospel has always been my problem with dealing with people, and it's what made me a less than sweet pastor when I was pastoring full times. Because mm-hmm. when people say they believe the Bible, I was like, "Well, do you believe the part where it says swear unto you and hurt?" And when my wife was leading the um, taking care of all the kids, and people would, um, she would have schedules, and people would go, "Oh, well, I can't make it," or "Hey, I want to make this service," and they wouldn't keep their word. Or they say they were going to be somewhere and not be their word. Well, I spent 21 years in the military. You don't do that. Your word is your word. Your bond is your bond. If you're going to do it, I don't have any use for you if you cannot keep your word. And so um, I would be that way. And be, it's kind of the way Paul felt, too. I think so. I think a lot of people in church, they would love to, po- uh, they love to quote where he talks about, well, I could do all things through Christ. Well, I don't have time for you if you're going to keep wasting my time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really don't do well. And so when I, people take for granted what we have, I want to get very militant about it. All right, let's get to the news, and we'll come back. we got more questions for the Bible guys. How do I love the unlovable? What a great, great question. We'll come back and get to that. It is 60 degrees. Here's your news. It's the Bible guys. It's a Tuesday. It's at 7 o'clock, and that means the Bible guys are on with me for an hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And if you ask why, it's simple. There's politics. There's health-related news. There's all kinds of news. But there is also the spiritual side mm-hmm. of man, and it needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. And so we deal with that here on the Dave Ellswick Show as well. 25 till 860 degrees, looking for a high of 60 right now. And then it's going to start getting cooler as the day goes on. Look for a low this afternoon around 43 degrees. So it's going to get chilly out there. I thought this was probably the best question of the day. How do I love the unlovable? I'm having a lot of issues with people just hating on me for either my political views, my religious beliefs, and now even my skin color and gender. Why is there so much hate in the world right now? It seems that there is a lot of hate in churches as well. Why is the church world dividing over such natural things? What does love really look like anyway? 
I thought we were supposed to be the example after all. Mm. Pretty good question. That's a good question. Mm. Right. Um, how that do Steve you, and Steve is, uh, is deferring I'll to let, the pastor I'll right pastor now. I'll answer that question. No, I've got an answer. It's, uh, it's just harder to walk out than it is to believe it. Okay. It really uh, is. So um, how do you love the unlovable? Well, uh, you're going to have to – I think the, I, the whole concept of love is different for us. I think for most Westerners, love is a feeling, and love is not a feeling. Um, is love it Eros? Is that the feeling that, you know, the, first I think we need to tell them the definitions of love as far as the Greek that's used in yeah. the Bible. Yeah, there's four different words for love in Greek. Uh, you know, in English we just have basically one word. You know, we love ice cream. Mm-hmm. We love our mom. We also love our wife. We love our friends. And those are all different kinds of love. Uh, and so the Greek uh, <clears throat> clears it up for us by giving us different words for that. Uh, you can have what's called phileo which is a brotherly love. That's where we get our word Philadelphia from, the mm-hmm. city of brotherly love. It That's comes right. from the Greek. Uh, we also have the word agapeo or agape, which is the God kind of unconditional love, which happens to be the name of the, the church that I pastor. Uh, you have the word, the eros uh, love, and that is a, uh, that a love would, uh, that someone would have, is is that, is eros, is that the? Um, I think that's the uh, affectionate, like, or, isn't it where the word erotic? So it, from, it's a very intimate Kind of a sexual kind of like type thing, yeah, yep. yeah. So there's there's four different uh, the four there's four different words that uh, relate to that. I think this question here is dealing with uh, you know how do I just love people around me that are being that are being unkind. I think that's the way I would see that. Word. Is that yeah. the right? Uh, yeah, way? I think that you're exactly right. <clears throat> I mean, I think you got to look at it from what did Jesus do, right? And I think that you we have to do like like everything. Some 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 things you have to just do by by faith because mm-hmm. you're told to do it. You know, there are times where People will hurt hurt me or or wound me, and so I just have to say, Father, by faith, Lord, I forgive that person for what they've done to me. And I and I, I'm very honest. I say, Lord, you know, I don't feel an overwhelming sense of wanting to forgive them, but I know it's what Your Word tells me that I should do, and so I submit myself and yield myself to Your Word. And Father, by faith, I release that person. I say I forgive that person and I bless them. And so I think with with uh, loving people, it's going to be the same way. It's the same with everything. We have to say, you know, Father, um, by faith, I declare that I love that person. And then begin to walk out what you know love is supposed to look like towards people that are unforgiving, even if you don't feel it. Because if you go by what you feel, mm-hmm. you could pull a Pastor Steve on somebody right, choke somebody and haul off and <laughs> slap them upside the head. I mean, so you can't go by what you feel. That means you've got to go by what you believe. That's right. And what we believe is love looks this way. And as Dave said, what would Jesus do? He laid his life down for those people. He turned, taught us to turn the other cheek towards our brothers. He, he taught us to, to take our cloak off and give it to someone who asked of us. He gave us the example, showed us how to live. But then again, also, love also sometimes pulls out a whip mm-hmm. and cleanses a temple. Yeah. Sometimes love says, you're a whitewashed tomb. Get your life right. I rebuke you. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance of how to actually do that. And Jesus was that example. What does love look like anyway? I think it was a part of the question. It looks like Jesus. What does love really look like anyway? It looks like Jesus. God, the Bible says God is love, and Jesus says when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus would be that love that you would actually uh, that you would actually look at. I think there's a bigger part of the question. I forgot what it exactly was. I thought we were supposed to be the example. Why is it that the church world divides over such natural things? Right. Because man's a fallen creature. Yeah. I mean, that's why they... They divide churches over the color of carpet at yeah. times. There's a, that those two things are the very things that 
say whether or not we're Christians or not. It's the two things that Jesus said that the world will know that the Father sent him. Mm-hmm. One is love and the other is unity. And that's why it's hard to express. And that's why there's so much disunity in the church. Um, that is a very difficult thing to do and to manifest. Um, but there's, I don't, I got shown how to look at people by reading the story of the commandments being broken by Moses. Um, and I don't have time to get into it because it's kind of in depth. It'd probably take me 30, 45 minutes to explain it all. But on the surface, uh, what it means is um, you have to forgive them for they know not what they do. You have to look through what's being manifested in someone when they're saying. That's what Jesus things. said, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. And, it, and that's why I said it's easier taught, preached or spoken of than it is to walk out. But as the saying goes, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Hurting people hurt people, right? And so you have to learn to look through why people are responding the way they are and just somehow try and say, it's okay, or do it the Southern way. Well, bless your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still kind of looking through it. Uh, not, I mean, bless your heart almost has a really condescending, you know, arrogant tone about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the idea is, is trying to look through whatever it is uh, that that person is doing and or saying um, I don't like to, it, it. It can lead itself to almost excusing uh, because we have a, a generation today that likes to blame everything on the way they were raised or what somebody said to them. And, and it, that does tend to happen. But we also don't want to discount somebody that maybe came from an abusive background or yeah. whether it be physically or emotional and realize that that often drives their character mm-hmm. and to try and try and look through through that. Or as my old pastor used to say, they may just remind you of their ex-wife or their father or somebody, and they are not even speaking to you. They're speaking through the hurt. So it's hard to do. It's not easy to take whatever it is that somebody's saying uh, and then turn love back on it. It's very so, difficult. So let me let me kind of pull this a little, stretch it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you tell people who live through their hurts from the past and are always trying to, are always dealing with them, that mm-hmm. they never seem to be able to put them away. How do you talk to a person? What do you try? How do you try to help the person with that? Well, I, tr- I try to give them um, biblical examples. This is assuming a person who loves God is born again mm-hmm. and uh, want, wants to walk out the word. And so, and I usually give them um, scriptural examples. One uh, that's very effective is you tell them about tell tell them about the Apostle Paul when Paul actually says that he has wronged no man. Yet, he murdered Christians. He persecuted the church. Yet, he came to a point in his life and he says, I have wronged no man. Well, how do you do that? He's the same one who wrote that when you get born again, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He lived in the reality, the revelation that my old man was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And so, you work people through um, biblical examples showing how people were in the exact same spot they're in, and they found a way through the Lord, through Jesus, to to lose the old identity and to obtain a new one. But what what if it's not an identity? It's what people did to them, right? I think it goes back to what um, what I was saying about walking this out thing out in faith. Lord, I don't feel this. I, I have this animosity, but Lord, by faith, I release and forgive them. Is like what Pastor Steve quoted when Lord Jesus said. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I think that uh, you have to position yourself in a matter, in a place of faith to do it. And I've walked with people through this, and it's not it's not fast. It's mm-hmm. not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy. And you, you have to take time. You deal with each one of them, and then you work with them 
praying with them, and they release one thing after the next. And then you teach them that when these thoughts come back of pain and hurt, you're meant to grab those thoughts and cast them down. The Bible says that we we take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. And so we're meant to fight a warfare in our mind and casting down these thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And what exalts itself against the knowledge of God are thoughts that are contrary to what the Scripture says that we should be doing and how we should be living. The hardest thing to break is the identity. Uh, Because let's just say, for example, whether it was, um, let's just use emotional abuse. If someone was raised and told by a father or mother that that they were stupid or they weren't pretty or whatever the case is, and they heard it over and over again, then they've been conditioned that that is their identity, that they're not smart enough, they're not fast enough, or whatever the case is. Um, And when you try to get somebody to understand that's no longer their identity and who they can become, as Pastor Scott was saying, they can behold all things are new. Um, you have been made a new creation, right? You can be made new. You can be healed. You can be delivered. However, um, what's difficult is to get Egypt out of people, and they will continue to look back. And I hear with people, and I have to really bite down on my tongue when I hear people say, well, I had this as a father. I don't care, okay? That's who you were. This is who you are. This is what God says you are. This is who he says you can become. Stop using that as your identity. The Stop. past is the past. Correct. Yeah. And it, it's hard to get people to want to let go of that. And oftentimes they don't because it draws sympathy. It, it draws attention, well, attention to mm-hmm. them. And they don't want to let it go. They want to keep looking in Egypt. And that is the thing that is very difficult on a personal level for me to deal with people who you can see and go, look, dude, you can have it, you can obtain it, you can get it, you can go after it, but you've got to let go of that. And that, that's been, the very, for, for me, the most difficult thing is to when people don't want to let go of that old identity. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Got to get our final break for this hour. And when we come back, is the Bible really true? 14 minutes before 8 o'clock, 60 degrees. The Bible guy's with us until the top of the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show, Bible Guys, on Tuesdays. They are here in the studio, and uh, we've got just one more segment with them. So, Scott, you wanted to go back to that last question, and you wanted to add something. Yes. Uh, The last question asked, it says, why why does there seem to be so much hate in the world right now? Yes. And then it mentioned also in the church. Um, And something that just kind of popped into my head, Jesus is speaking, and Pastor Steve might know where this is at, but he says, He's talking about things at the end of time. And he said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, because the law of God has been systematically rejected, um, especially in our our church world, because we say, well, well, the law has nothing to do with us. It says that because lawlessness will abound, love will begin to grow cold. And I think that obviously when love grows cold, what takes its place is is hate. And I think, and also the Bible says those who love your law are not easily offended. So I think a lot of the, um, the lack of love, a lot of the, the lack of patience, the lack of understanding, the lack of tolerance with each other as brothers and sisters can relate back, directly back to people's um, attitudes and appreciation and love for the law of God. Did yeah, you find it's, it? It's in Matthew twenty four twelve. Um and it's the Olivet Discord where he's talking about the end. And he says, and because the law of this will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Yeah. Yep. That's right. it. Dear Bible guys, I've always heard that Moses wrote the law, but how can this be when portions of the law tell of his death 
and burial, then go on to tell of Joshua leading the people across the border into the promise. He wasn't still alive, so who wrote that part? Are we not incorrect about Moses writing the law then? What about Psalms? David didn't write all of them, so why do we say that David wrote the book of Psalms? How do you defend the scriptures when people attack its divine inspiration, or do you? Right. Um, well, the, we can look at it from a couple. I, th- I think when people say David wrote the book of Psalms, I think they're, sp- they're speaking in generalities. You know, I think you know David probably wrote 90% of the Psalms, so they're just saying it like that. They don't mean every single one because it's obvious they didn't because during, during the break, you know, you were mentioning, David, the Psalms actually tell you at the beginning who wrote them. Yep. So it actually tags the author. So nobody. Right, the choir master wrote right. some. Who was the choir master? We don't know. Uh, yeah, right. So, you know, so it tells you who did it. So nobody believes that David wrote every one of them. So they're speaking generally when they say that. And then as far as going back to Moses, um, it's uh, yeah, right. We believe that Moses wrote everything and for the most part, everything in the book of Saul, uh, book the law up until his death. Now, it's. It's said, I think the rabbis even say this, that Joshua wrote the, la- the last part of it. So after Moses died, mm-hmm. Joshua picked up the mantle, and Joshua wrote about how Moses died and what God did with Moses' body and and, and all that, and up to the promised land. Because what's the next book right after the, the last book of the law? It's the book of Joshua. So Joshua's continuing to to write. So I, I think that I think that's actually the rabbinic view, and I think that's yeah. the one I would take. Yeah, and you can't, and also, and we can take a little bit further, what about Genesis? Where, did, did that just... Was that just dropped on Moses in Mount Sinai? I tend to take a view that that was passed down. Um, it was either written in cuneiform or some other type of script and then given to Moses or orally passed down. And then Moses put down the written part of up to his point, basically the book of Genesis. Uh, yeah, book of Genesis. Um, but there was also, what about Paul? Remember at one point he said, I wrote this of my own hand. So he had Luke. The prophets had scribes, and so there were people who wrote these things down, and that's okay. The, the transcription, if that's the right word, transmission, if you will, was given to Moses, and there could have been, and he wrote down the majority of it, uh, but I'm, I'm okay with some of the scribes taking care of the rest of it because of the history. Some guys will say it was all given to him at Mount Sinai. We know that's not true because there were other places where he said, hey, let me go seek the Lord on this, and the Lord gave him an answer about some, and then they wrote it as they were going along. So... I, I don't get caught up too much into that aspect of things because I'm okay with the fact that, well, when Moses died, this was written down, or the, the fathers prior to Moses gave us Genesis, or Joshua and then his scribe, or Jeremiah and his scribe, or Paul and Luke, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, when Paul was in prison, Luke used to come and visit him and write down what Paul right. told him. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And that's the, so Luke, basically, he's the one who writes the book of Luke, but he's also the one who writes the... Uh, the Acts. book of Acts, yeah, yeah, and uh, and so you see, then there's a whenever um, whenever Barnabas and Paul separate, uh, that's why you see Paul's ministry becoming dominant um, because Luke went with him. It wasn't that Barnabas wasn't still out doing stuff and ministering, and obviously he was helping make John Mark into the man of God he would be, who would eventually write the book of Mark. So Barnabas was out doing stuff as well. But, you know, Luke is not omnipresent. He's in one spot at one time doing and one thing. And this is actually an important point to make, and I use the Gospels to do this. So they'll tell you that Mark was the foundational for um, Matthew and Luke, and then John wrote his own without that. So those first three are called the synoptic. Mm-hmm. And it, Word and synoptic means similar. They're similar. Um, and that's why they tell a lot of the same stories, but they may be slightly different. And that's okay because people think this. they have this idea that they just sat down and all of a sudden 
uh, the word of God was just bloop, planted into their mind. Well, like they were sitting down in a beam of light. Correct. Came down That's and how people. Writing, but you know, and then it goes off. They go, oh, done for today. Correct. That's how people <laughs> believe that the scriptures when it wasn't. So how this took place is that, hey, Mark wrote down what he saw and what he remembered from the story of the gospel. Then Matthew took and wrote down what he remembered, and it was from a different perspective. Luke did the same thing more systematically. That's why it's longer. And then John did the same thing. They're all telling the same story, but they might be slightly different because it's from a different perspective. Doesn't mean it wasn't inspired. And some people will use that to go, oh, see, the Bible's different. There's errors. No, they're telling the same story, but from different angles. Yeah, Yeah, you get a a group of people. Let me take four people and take them to a Trump uh, rally and then walk away from the rally and say, well, what did you get from that? Mm. Right. Right. They might have completely, you know, or what did you hear? You might get completely different stories. But the basic but the story, story is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or exactly you, have, right. you have people standing on uh, four different street corners and there's an accident. Mm-hmm. And you go to these eyewitnesses. What did you see? Well, one saw it from the, the position of the north. Somebody saw it from the south. Someone saw it from the east. So they're all seeing the same thing. They're writing it from, you know, different perspectives. One saw it coming from behind. One saw it coming straight on. One saw it coming from the side. So, yeah, somebody might have seen somebody on that side of the street. Uh, but those over there were seeing somebody on this side of the street. So they're writing about two different groups of people seeing the same thing. So, uh, yeah, there is no there is no um, difficulty with that whatsoever. No, I don't have any problem with that. I know the scriptures are inspired. And, yeah, and it says here about this inspiration. The scripture does tell us in the book of Second Timothy, it says, for we know that all scripture was given by inspiration of God. Uh, so even if they may have um, used each other's text, um, there still was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write this. And God chose the men to do it. And he allowed them to live that that experience and to write what they um, write what they were seeing. So, uh, and but as far as proving it, um, I mean, is it say is that not it the says, question? How do you defend, defend the it. scripture when people attack its divine inspiration, yeah. or do you? Well, of course you you have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. And a lot just of times, like we've done today, right? And a lot of times you can you can cite uh, the um, historical accuracy of it. You can re, you, you can cite prophetic accuracy of it. You, there's a lot of things that you can do. And I like to just turn around and just ask them the question, um, well, you know, just, you know, suppose they're holding a history book. How do you know what's in the mm-hmm. history book is right? Have you ever questioned what's in the history book? Yeah. And most they, of them, the answer is no, they just take it for granted. Why do you take it for granted? You have faith yeah. that that history book in your hand, American history is actually correct. You've not ever tested it, but you only want to test one book. They, they won't question Plato or Philo or anything else like that, but they'll, they'll question or Socrates. Yeah, they won't do that. But you must not get caught up in the scribal differences or different angles as we're talking about. The whole story has never been disproven. There are no historical inaccuracies. There are only some historical accounts that haven't been confirmed. So forever, people would say the Bible wasn't true because they had no evidence of Pontius Pilate being the prefect at now that time. Now they do. Now they, they do. do. Yeah. So they got his ring now. Correct. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that the the whole story has never been disproven, and it's not historically inaccurate. But you will find some different nuances that don't seem to line up, and that's okay. All right. Guys, we're out of time. Always to learn fast. some of this stuff. 
We've got uh, 20 <laughs> seconds. Tell them where to go. Go to the AmericanInstitute.org. You can become a student and take all of these courses, and if you're not looking for a degree, you can audit them and just get the information. There you got it. And you'll be the number one top dog at the wild water cooler, <laughs> I'm just telling you. Scott, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Steve, sir. same to you. Thanks. We'll see you guys next Tuesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave Ellswick here on 101.1 FM, The uh, Answer. It's 59 degrees, and that temperature has dropped a couple of degrees since I came on and will uh, continue to fall throughout the day till we get down to 48 and stay there. I'm trying to read it off of my computer, and they I got 20-20 vision now, and they've still got it really small over there. It's really hard to see. Why is that? But uh, down to 48 is where we're supposed to go today, and then it'll be down lower than that later tonight. And uh, rain should let up uh, towards uh, this evening uh, to about 30%. means we'll still get some moisture, but it'll be moving out of the area. Tomorrow they're saying mostly sunny, a high near 51 northeasterly wind. Ooh, it's not going to feel like 51. It's going to be at 10 to 15 miles per hour. So, uh, Zach, get ready to put your heavy boots on as we come in. We put on diving boots. You may not know this. You know, when you got the big bell on your head and they put you for really deep sea diving and they pump the atmosphere into the suit and stuff, they gave us those boots because we're like at the, the highest point in Little Rock and when you have a 15-mile-an-hour wind here, it's like hurricane force. So to be able to keep from blowing away, we wear these boots. Now, in Oklahoma, they just grow bigger feet. <laughs> and, and, that, and that way, they don't blow over. All right? But here, you know, we wear diving boots. It's, it's important. you got to have it. <laughs> yeah. It's, the wind really does blow up here like crazy. Zach's All going, the time. I can't believe he makes that stuff off top of his head. I just did that. It never is never not windy up here. <laughs> it isn't. Never. It's, top, it's higher here than it is on uh, uh, what used to be that big building downtown. That used to be a yogurt company's building. It used to be the TCBY yeah, the TCBY. building, they called it. Who knows what it's called today? It was that for the, last, the first two years I was here, and then they changed it. Yep. So anyway, uh, we're higher than that because we're up on – the pinnacle we're here. We're taller than downtown Little Rock. That's so right. There you go. That's what it says. That's what they tell me. At That's least. right. All right. Big story in the Sunday paper. Big story in that a lot of people are talking about this particular story and this particular topic. 
more counties are joining the gun sanctuary push. Now, I think they got the idea from Virginia, where in Virginia they knew that their state government, uh, since it went solid blue, was going to attack their gun rights. And uh, they didn't they didn't succeed yesterday. Uh, yesterday, they had some Democrats uh, that decided to go against this cause. Uh, from the AP, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam's push to ban the sale of assault weapons has failed after members of his own party balked at the proposal. And uh, it goes on and says, Senators voted to shelve the bill for the year and asked the State Crime Commission to study the issue an outcome that drew cheers from a committee room packed with gun advocates. Four moderate Democrats joined Republicans in Monday's committee vote, rejecting legislation that would have prohibited the sale of certain semi-automatic firearms, including the popular AR-15 style rifles, and banned the possession of magazines that hold more than 12 rounds. So that's been tabled right now. All right, so... It's there for further study. Typically, that means it's dead, but because it's a Second Amendment thing, I don't think that we can assume that it won't get brought back up. So just know next year it'll be brought back up. You can guarantee that it'll be brought yeah, back it's up. Coming Northam's up. still there. So they're, they're getting these sanctuary counties going in uh, in Virginia. From la- I heard, last time I heard, it was like 71 counties out of the 94 or something like that in Virginia were now sanctuary counties. But the question, and Bill Bowden wrote this story from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, a gun sanctuary movement has been slowly moving across Arkansas, stirring the debate about whether it has any teeth. Here's what the argument is about. I guess certain places are passing uh, resolutions and other people are passing ordinances. Now, it would seem to me an ordinance is like a law that if you pass an ordinance, then it has some teeth to it. If it's just a resolution, that's just saying this is the way we believe. It does not necessarily mean that you could go to court with it. I think a, I think a resolution is kind of like this is how we feel. And, you know, feelings and facts are two different sets of things. I mean, I argued this point months ago when the house and i'm going to give them credit that they they passed a resolution however it does nothing a resolution that says that arkansas is an open carry state does nothing if you stand in front of a judge and it you know it's you might as well stand on the street corner and say i believe in open carry it doesn't carry any weight in law at all 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 you can say is that hey look at all these people who voted for this resolution in the in the state house and, you know, a judge will look at you and say, so? but it didn't sit in front of us, the Senate, and they didn't make it a law, and it didn't get signed by the governor. So, you know, big deal. I That's mean, right. they won't That's say right. it that way. They'll put well, it all in, in flowery language <laughs> and legalese, but you're still screwed, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I think what's happening here is, I, if, I, if I understand correctly, the folks that are pushing these ordinances, ordinances, across the state by contacting various counties they are presenting an ordinance which has more teeth which is the one that makes law that's right but i think i think at least in one county they said well yeah we'll pass a resolution yeah 
and of course that has not made those supporters very happy so let me ask you this because this is going on in your county yes it is it was just brought up in the last few Faulkner days county last week and it has been tabled right now for further study of course now is it a resolution or is it an ordinance that they're asking for? I was given a copy of what was presented, and it was actually just a copy of the Scott County Ordinance. Okay. okay. It's about a 12-page item. Um, there's an interesting thing about the ordinance. We can talk a minute. But the ordinance was presented as a – it's hard to, hard to explain this. In our, in our county, you can't just show up and vote on something in the same night. They just don't do that. And that I way. think that's reasonable. We have committee meetings. That's where it's first heard. And then it has to go to the full court. So in the committee meeting, the JP said, I've been told about this. Here it is. We need to talk a little. The room was full of supporters. And uh, by the end of the 12 minute conversation, it didn't last long, 12 to 15 minutes. Um, they decided the quorum, the committee decided to table this ordinance because the Arkansas Association of Counties is in the picture now okay and what do they say well they've been sending out some information to all the counties in arkansas since the late part of january the first one that i was aware of was passed in scott county in uh the 22nd of january that's okay. when it was in the news just a few weeks ago on the 27th the arkansas association of counties sent a letter apparently the first of two or three uh, with advice and information to all the 75 counties pro or con um, I have not seen the letters. More neutral. I have not seen the letters. Okay. In oh. our county. Sounds like a FOIA request on us. It could be. Could be. In our county, in Faulkner County, we have one JP. His name is Randy Higgins, and he is um, the vice president. Now, here we go. The Arkansas Association of Counties has all these different organizations for different parts of county government. So he is vice president of the quorum court part of the Association of Arkansas Counties. These are the people that are going to deal with these ordinances. And he says, look, you know, we're going to deal with this in April at our meeting. And so after April, we'll talk about it again in Conway or Faulkner County. All right. We're going to come back and talk further about this. And are these, well, I know this, the answer to this question, has anything been tested in a court of law? The answer is no. <laughs> so Not yet. We're going to have to, there's that whole thing to be dealt with as well. All right, Dave Ellswick show. It is a quarter after 8, 59 degrees. Uh, we may come back with this topic when we return. However, there is a guest that may join us as well as they do. We'll talk to them, and then we'll go back to this particular topic. On the Dave Ellswick show, back with you in a moment here on 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh show. Let's continue the Dave Ellswick Show. Dr. Ted Love wants to talk us uh, talk to us today about sickle cell anemia. He's an African-American doctor, and as you know, sickle cell anemia uh, has a huge impact on the African-American uh, population of the United States. And how are you today, Doc? I'm very good, Dave. Thanks for having us on. Sure, no problem. Tell us about this. I know that uh, a lot of black physicians have been very uh, instrumental in coming up with treatment plans for sickle cell anemia. Uh, how far have we come over the last, say, 40 years? Well, sickle cell disease is a disease that we have really understood in the United States for over 100 years. Um, and we have not made a lot of progress, um, although I will point out that there were some pioneers uh, in the 1970s uh, 
1980s that figured out that screening and things like pneumococcal vaccination, antibiotics uh, could change things. And actually, those interventions probably extended the lives of sickle cell patients by 20 years. Okay. But living into your 40s is not good enough. And we need to come up with therapies which fundamentally go after the disease, like we've done in HIV. HIV was a disease that came about during my medical career. And now people shouldn't die of HIV. No. Cystic fibrosis, we've made great progress. It's time in sickle cell disease that we make that kind of progress by going after the fundamental causes of these. And I'm happy to say that I think we're on the dawn of that right now. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the disease itself. What causes it? So sickle cell disease is a genetic disorder, so it can occur in any woman of any race. But the mutation arose likely in the sub-Sahara Africa. And having one copy of the, gene, of the gene does not give you the disease, but it does protect you from malaria. And that's why sickle trait proliferated in Africa. Now, of course, when two individuals with trait uh, uh, have children, uh, about one out of four children will have the disease. And that's why it's more prevalent in the African-American community. Okay, so where is the uh you know different studies going on uh to try to defeat this disease well we've been doing studies globally uh there obviously is a higher concentration of disease in certain countries uh, particularly african countries so we've done studies in the united states uh in africa in europe we do global studies and a lot of this enthusiasm and excitement has really been occurring over the last few years where we've been coming up with precision medicines that powerfully go after the molecular basis of the disease. Just last year, the Food and Drug Administration approved two new drugs I'm very excited about. One drug is from a company uh, called Novartis, uh, and their drug is given intravenously, and it targets the inflammation in the blood vessels that sickle cell patients get that lead to their pain crises. Mm. Uh, a few weeks after that approval, the FDA approved the drug from our company uh, known as Oxbrita. That drug was approved to go after the molecular basis of the disease, the sticking together of the hemoglobin, forming these rods which cause the red blood cell to sickle. And because of what this drug is doing. It was actually the first drug that the FDA gave, FDA gave accelerated approval, and it was also the first drug that the FDA gave breakthrough designation for sickle cell disease. Uh, the target here is to powerfully mitigate or powerfully undermine the basis of disease. So things are changing in sickle cell disease. This is a great time for patients to be reading about the innovations and going to their doctors and saying, I want the latest and greatest treatments for me and my disease or for my family member and their disease. Dr. Ted Love is our guest today here on the Dave Ellswick Show talking about sickle cell anemia and some great uh, jumps and leaps uh, in in combating the disease and what does what does somebody who has the disease or their families being you know affected by the disease what should they say to their doctor should they walk in and say hey what about these drugs uh, why aren't we on those 
<laughs> that's exactly what you should be doing. And what I would say is first get some information. We all know knowledge is powerful. There are a few websites that I would encourage people to go and read about the latest innovations. One is Sickle Cell Speaks, so that's www.sicklecellspeaks.com. You could read more about uh, our drug, uh, which is called Oxbrita, at oxbrita.com. That's O-X-B-R-Y-T-A.com. And then we have a Sickle Cell Disease Association of America that has a great website that has information about the disease and about innovations. Uh, that's called sicklecelldisease.org or sicklecelldisease. Uh, it's sicklecelldisease.org. All right. So final question for you. What's, what, I mean, you want to basically cure the disease. How far are we from that? I think we're making great progress. Uh, we are trying to go after effectively curing the disease in much the way that we've done in HIV. In HIV, we have medicines that basically, even though the infection is still there, the virus can't kill you. So our company is focused on making oral daily therapies that you could take that are effectively trying to do the same thing, make the disease a disease, a well-managed chronic disease that doesn't hurt you. We're also coming up with innovations in bone marrow transplantation and gene therapy. There are a lot of things going in this disease, and I would encourage patients to go to their physicians and talk about what are the latest options? What can we be doing together to fundamentally give me the best shot of having a normal life? Okay, and what were those two uh, websites that you mentioned as well? Give those addresses again. I'd be happy to. So Sickle Cell Speaks, that's www.sicklecellspeaks.com. And to learn more about Oxbrita, it's oxbrita.com, O-X-B-R-Y-T-A.com. All right. Well, doctor, I'll be uh, happy to tell you that we've already put that on my Facebook. Uh, For people who are watching right now, you can pick it up there. For you who are not watching and you get to the office, you can go ahead and jump on my Facebook page and uh, get that information and see all of the information that the doctor's been talking about. Dr. Ted Love, thank you for the time. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dave, for all your work. All righty. Bye-bye now. Dr. Ted Love here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Got that's a couple pretty of minutes encouraging here. news. Yeah, that's, like that's usually encouraging that's news huge. for folks that have sickle cell anemia. They can actually uh, evidently kind of put it in a... Stasis is a, a better, I guess, is a word to use in this case where they, it's there, but it's not there, so to speak. Kind of like AIDS virus is now. Uh, they can extend your life almost indefinitely. You're going to have to take a pill the rest of your life or maybe even an intravenous uh, treatment, but you still can uh, find that uh, you can live with the disease. Now, the key is to try to to win and and to defeat the disease and they're working on that as well so do, do you still have those uh those websites that you can sicklecellspeaks.com okay sicklecellspeaks.com and sicklecelldisease.org uh-huh. all right there's the two that, we're, that you'll find on facebook so you can look it up and read further uh about this so we got to get to hannity he's coming up here uh, at the bottom of the hour, 
And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the counties uh, joining the gun sanctuary push here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. And what else did I have? I had something else here that was from the paper that I wanted to bring up. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Wayne Cranford. I can do this right now before we go to the news. Wayne Cranford uh, was a co-founder in 1961 of Cranford Johnson, the Little Rock ad agency that eventually became Cranford Johnson Robinson Woods. Uh, the agency represented many of Arkansas's best-known companies, including Altel, Richland Foods, Tyson Foods, Arkansas, Louisiana Ga- Gas, Axiom, and Oaklawn. Quote, all these famous Arkansas companies became national brands with uh, Mr. Cranford's help. I've met him a couple of times, outstanding gentleman. Uh, that last quote was from Jane Cranford. Uh, he passed away. And uh, he will be missed, to be honest. He's going to be, I think yeah, he, he was, he, he was already in his 80s. And, yeah. you know, all of us will say he lived a great life. But if you're 86 right now, you're not thinking about 87 is the end of your life. All right? I'm just telling you, bottom line, uh, he's passed on. But, uh, yeah, he's a real loss to the area as far as ads and things of that goes. It's, uh, he was really a genius when it came to those type of things. All right, so let's take a break. Let's get uh, Sean Hannity in here to tell you what he's thinking about. And then uh, Elizabeth and I will be back, and we'll talk further right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 8.30, 59 degrees. All right, so, Elizabeth, we were talking about the counties joining the gun sanctuary push uh, this kind of uh, caught fire in Virginia. It's other states are starting to do it. It's happening here in Arkansas as well. Uh, but it seems to me, unless you've got some teeth behind what it is you're passing. In other words, if if you're just passing a resolution, you're not doing much of anything. I, I think the article is interesting. It was Independence County, and the, the guy said, you know, we need to we need to let people feel comfortable, so we're going to pass this resolution. We need I to assume. let people feel comfortable. <laughs> we and Was he the one who said, I don't think we need this? We've already got the protections. We don't need more, but we'll do this so that people just feel cool about I it. Think, I think that was the quote, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's a resolution. Now, I'm it paraphrasing no it, all right? It's a feel-good. A resolution is just that. It's a feel-good. This was Don Cloud Davis of MENA, a spokesperson for the Arkansas Liberty Coalition, and that's the group that's promoting this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, my understanding is that they are presenting an ordinance, not a resolution. However, every county's governing body, of course, has the option of to which do way nothing they're going to do or create an ordinance or create a resolution just know that if they say well we're going to pass a resolution when in fact they were asked to pass the ordinance that it's they're effectively they're, it's yeah they're out. effectively you know sending your uh your your piece of legislation to the dentist to have all of its teeth pulled <laughs> i mean that's what they well what and when you doing, see basically the, yeah the fellow from independence county saying you know we want to help you feel good the fellow who spoke and one was, person was that by chance a Democrat who said that? I have no idea. I'm just saying. Independence that County, sounds like some, it sounds like a, something a Democrat would say. The uh, when it was presented in Faulkner County, one individual was allowed to speak because it was not a public speaking type of meeting and, okay. and so forth and so on. But this individual, his name is Robert Goff uh, from Valonia, 
this is what he said. This bill, this ordinance, to make it really brief, is simply the Bill of Rights. Now, this is slightly different in our county. As you all have probably grown up knowing about, it has a provision in there to restrict enforcement for county officials that would infringe on our rights. Most of the ordinances are to restrict us, the people, and to pass taxes, spend money, and restrictions on us. This is an ordinance that puts restrictions on our closest layer of government that we interact with every day. So what they're basically doing is acting like the Constitution. Well, he says, this is brought to you from the people to put a restriction on you, basically, to restrict the county from spending resources on intentionally infringing on rights. That's I mean, I'm all about that, right? I mean, we the people, they work the for us. That's what the Constitution says about government. That's what the Constitution says. They work government for us. Government protects They're supposed rights, to protect does us. not endow rights. The problem that I understand with the ordinance, and I explained this the other day briefly, I've been told that the problem with the ordinance, the way they're presenting it, now, whether we're talking about Second Amendment or we're talking about Bill of Rights, if this ordinance says we're going to agree with Second Amendment or we believe in the Bill of Rights, that's fine. But it goes a step further and says, if county officials do these things, this is the penalty for infringing on our rights. Well, you can't make law that is supreme to the Constitution. That's correct. And that's what this would be. And so apparently it's running into it some real... It will be challenged. Yeah, it's running into some legal buzz sauce for that reason. The Liberty Coalition will tell you it's written by an attorney. Well, yeah, just because an attorney writes something doesn't mean it passed, muster, passes muster in the law, in the in the court. Yeah. So if I had Robert yeah, here, it, he'd somebody say needs exactly to take it. that. Yeah, Robert needs to speak to this, but it needs to, uh, in my opinion, someone needs to take it to court and get that um, precedent and get that ruling, and then they will have a very good way to model an ordinance because they'll have a lawful, you know, unassailable wording that they can mm-hmm. use. Um I'm a little surprised at how quickly it has shown up all over the state. Like I say, it was first passed in Scott County on the 22nd of January. So It's how only many, been how about a month how ago. Many, how many uh, counties now are looking at this? I'm not sure. The newspaper article, I think, mentioned four or five others, and okay. they're all over the county. Um, and I think, I'm not sure, I believe I read the newspaper article said that the coalition was not responsible, but I believe that they are. Uh, that's the way it's been presented on Facebook a little bit. You look at Arkansas Liberty Coalition on Facebook, you'll see they're all about it. Yeah, I know they they're are. all about it. Um, I think maybe, and I'm I'm just going to jump out there and assume something here, I think maybe what they've done, which is probably a really good tactic, instead of showing up as the Arkansas Liberty Coalition, they're getting local individuals to show up at their local quorum courts. That's what happened in Faulkner County. One of the JPs asked, that we had a room full of people, probably 60 people in the room, how many of you folks are from Faulkner County? Almost every person in the room raised their hand. That's important. Now, that's pretty rare when people show up in front of governmental officials to get mm-hmm. something done. So that's a good technique. Um, but for the moment, it didn't fly in Faulkner County, and it's going to be delayed but, at but least until they think May. About, they, that, that's kind of a standing deal that it comes up, and then you got to wait, correct? Well, interestingly, when the meeting began in Faulkner County, and that's what the article about Faulkner County mentions – the JP who introduced it basically explained to the audience, here's how we do this. Right. This has never been talked about before. This is a committee meeting. By the way, the law in Arkansas, if you're a quorum court member, you cannot talk to the other members of your quorum court about issues unless you are in a meeting. Unlike the Arkansas legislature, which is exactly the point they made in Faulkner County. Mm-hmm. Our other lawmakers can discuss issues with them, you know, in the hallways, you know, going to dinner, whatever. 
JPs cannot do that. So in this case, when the issue was brought initially to the committee, that's the first time they could officially discuss it between themselves. And there wasn't much of a discussion in Faulkner County. The Association of Arkansas Counties is now in the game. All right. Well, we need to call them and try to get them on and find out where they're standing. We'll, on we'll this. see about getting a copy Are of those letters. Are they being a neutral organization and just sharing information or are they against this or for this and they're sharing the information either yay or nay i'd like to know i'd like to get somebody on to talk well we'll look at we'll look into it and see if we can't make that happen all right before we take our break uh congresswoman maxine waters of california is at it again saying stupid stuff I mean, just stupid. She's just. Yeah. This woman is not the sharpest knife in the drawer by a long shot. Do we want people like that running our country? Well, (laughs) that's up to her her district, and they keep reelecting her. Don't they? Uh, Water says her home state of California should have, quote, more say, unquote, in the Democratic Party's primaries because they have, her words, not mine, fancy. Big money parties in Beverly Hills. Quoting her from uh, CNBC Thursday. As you know, we have candidates who fly out to Los Angeles from everywhere to raise money, she said. As a matter of fact, it had gotten so that you would have two, three, four at a time in Beverly Hills having (laughs) dinners. And some of our contributors who are very rich were holding, you know, fancy parties trying to accommodate the request for donations (laughs) And uh, con- uh, contributions, boy, I mean, it's tough, tough. living out in no, California, so isn't it? To be wealthy in California. And so, you know, the conclusion is, the thinking is that if we are supplying tremendous dollars to candidates, we ought to have more say. Wait, isn't that a quid pro quo? I think that's what that you know means. what that means? <laughs> uh, California's primary comes up on March 3rd, which is part of Super Tuesday, same as us. After a handful of other states hold caucuses and primaries, uh, Waters thinks California should be front and center at all times. Beyond <laughs> that, quote, this is her quote again, beyond that, a lot of people have come to the conclusion that it should not simply be Iowa and New Hampshire, and certainly they are not reflective of the makeup of this country. Well, it's not just Iowa and New Hampshire. Those are just testing grounds. What they're saying is if you can't make it in Iowa and New Hampshire, you may have a hard time making it in California. That's all it's saying. Uh, They are definitely not reflective of the makeup of this country. And so California has a role to play and has had a role to play. Uh, Quote, candidates will not be able to ignore the largest, most diverse state and nation as they seek our country's highest office. Unquote. California Secretary of State. Alex Padilla said at the time, that's according to NPR, quote, California has been a leader time and time again on the most important issues facing our country, including immigration, education, and the environment. Absolutely. You've been wrong every (laughs) time. All right. Quarter till nine. The land of flakes and nuts. Yeah. Fruits and nuts. All right. So it's a quarter till nine on the Dave Ellswick show. 59 degrees. We'll come back with the final uh, segment of the show here in just a moment. Let's finish it up this morning. If you needed to be at work at 8 o'clock, 
you're 50 minutes late. You're right? in trouble it's, now. It's until nine <laughs> uh, right now, and it's 59 degrees, and we're going to fall to 48 degrees before the afternoon gets past. So, Dave, it looks a little better outside, but not a lot better than it was when you and I came in. After, you know, before well, it was when I light. came in, man, it was it's, lightning and thundering and buckets of buckets of water were coming it down. It still looks pretty wet and kind of foggy and pretty drizzly out there. All right, well. February just, in Arkansas. Just tell me what, what's going on. That's that's all I need to know. I get here on time. <laughs> I got here on time. I went slow today, though. I really did because it was raining so Couldn't hard. Couldn't uh, the hydroplaning yes, on the road was, was, was not good. Just wasn't good. If you did not know, and I hope you did, that you're hooked up enough that you know that today is uh, early voting day, uh, the start of early voting here in Arkansas for the primary. Now, that's important for all of the races, of course, but it's especially important uh, for the judges, number one, because whoever wins the primary in the judges category becomes the judge for that one. This is their primary election. And then in some races where uh, you've got a couple of Republicans running against each other and after they get done deciding who's going to be the nominee, uh, then they don't have anybody challenging them from the other party. So whoever wins literally wins uh that that seat for instance a good example of that will be uh district district 40 20, is it 21 <laughs> district 21 21's another between, one between uh, mm-hmm. uh is it- sullivan and cooper and if whoever wins that is going to be the senator from that area so keep that in mind and now 40 is which one 40 is in our area in faulkner county and it's david ray versus karen maynard that's right same story that's the same there are a story. couple of independents in the race but i don't think that's going to make much difference in november okay so the bottom line is know that you need to vote march 3rd is election day uh for the primary it is super tuesday it is the sec uh you know primary uh as it's known except we got the pac 12 a little bit trying to get in that's california that's their time too so bottom line is you want to make sure that you get out and vote i uh, you need to vote 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 it's look your local government starting with the quorum court and the city government moving to the state government have more effect on you than the federal elections will have coming up in November. I'm just telling you. Government closest to you. Yeah, has more sway. So you want to keep that in mind. And you want to look up, if you're not sure, go to voterview.org. I'm trying to get that link up on your website. I'm having a little trouble getting my hands on it. But you can look up your exact ballot, see exactly what it's going to be on there, know exactly what you're going to do before you go. I know for me personally, there's only three races on my ballot right now. Yeah, I don't know what. And two on of them my are judge I'll races. Two of them are judge races. Again, let's repeat: judge races. They're going to be elected on March third. This is not, not their the primary. primary. This is it's their, their real election. So, two of the three elections on my ballot are judge ball or judge races, and uh, the other one's a JP. 
So there's no state representatives on my ballot. There's no state senators on my personal ballot. There probably is on yours. You need to look for your ballot, voterview.org. Yeah, I'll be making my way over to the library this week there in Cabot when I'm coming home one day. They're not open at 3 o'clock in the morning. Darn, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get in and do not some really early morning voting. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I don't think they're going to be there. I'll show up around 11 o'clock or whatever and, <laughs> and and cast my ballot. I always I always vote. I always go in and vote. And you know, there's a lot of that's talk. That's your say. A lot of people talk about whether you should vote early or whether you should wait because, hey, if I vote early and something happens in the last week or so, then maybe I want to change my mind. Mm, a lot of the races this year are judge races for March 3rd. Yes, there could be something happen, but I think it's a little less likely in those races. Those would have kind of blown up on you know, us the by people now, that I'm looking to vote for, I know nothing's going to happen. I'm just telling you, I know nothing's going to happen. It's I won't tell you who. on that scene. I'm not going to tell you who I'm voting for. If you know me, you probably know what I'm going to, how I'm going to vote, but just know that I'm not expecting the candidates that I'm going to vote for to suddenly be found to, you know, go out to, you know, I don't know, large uh, sex parties or something. <laughs> I'm not really expecting that. No midnight tours of the Capitol yeah, or anything I don't, like yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, come no. on. We've, we've kind of hopefully... I'll never put, forget that I one. hope we've put that in the rear view mirror, <laughs> to be honest, all right? Pie uh, boxes? About, As, about all of that. Yeah, pie boxes. Yeah, we have... We put that one behind bars, <laughs> uh, just so you'll know. And it it was cherry pie. I yeah. finally found one that of my out. favorites. It was cherry pie that they hid money under. It was an apple pie. I thought it was apple pie first. Cherry pie. Because that's such a such an Americana <laughs> kind of pie. Uh, so uh, it was not. It was a cherry pie that uh, Morris Schaffner was getting that had the money in it. Just so you'll know. Just and so you'll know. Just so you know, I did find just now the link. I'm okay. going to put it on your Facebook page so you can look up your ballot on Voter View. Take a look. The Arkansas Secretary of State's website. All right, so uh, Bloomberg is out there. We got just a few more moments here. Uh, tomorrow night is the debate. He has been okay to get on the stage. Mm. Here's my question: Will he get on the stage? I'm just saying he's got everything to lose by getting on the stage with the uh, you know the kind of uh, racist comments that he made a few years ago. This whole thing about saying, you know, if you're an older American, you just need to die. Uh, we don't need to be spending our resources keeping you alive. All you Arkansas and, farmers, and all, all you, you got to do. You know, dumb as dirt farmers <laughs> out there. Because all you got to do is dig a hole, drop a seed in it. And it grows. Bury it and it grows. You no know? problem. Unbelievable. Well, he's not, he don't have a chance here in, in uh, Arkansas as far as the general election well let's see we ruled out the farmers and we ruled out the old people and now we've ruled out a lot of the african-americans 2a guys yeah 2a folks and so he's not gonna have a lot of support left here okay but you know you can be you know that this guy is not a lover of minorities and yet the mayor of little rock is all about him all don't understand about that. Him. look what's happened in new york with that whole situation i, agree. I don't get it i don't get it i agree i think that uh, mayor scott may want to pull back his uh, backing of uh, Mayor Bloomberg, or maybe Bloomberg said, you know, I might need somebody on my cabinet with your it, type of experience. I think it's an indication of the direction uh, Mayor Scott wants to take Little Rock. 
Yeah. There you go. Maybe we should talk about that next Tuesday. We might just do that. All right, tomorrow I'll be back. We'll start it at uh, 6 a.m. like we always do. Tomorrow, uh, Duck and, and Joe will be here. Uh, and also, don't forget, at 735, Congressman Hill will join us from Washington, D.C. That's just a few of the people that will be on uh, tomorrow. Elizabeth, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. She does my good stuff on Facebook at no cost to me. And I want to thank her for that. <laughs> I want to thank her because that's, that's the best kind of work I like. Starts with an F. It's got four letters in it. I like that <laughs> word. Free. I like free. Dave Ellswick Show. Have a great day. Drive safe out there. See you tomorrow at 6. Gallagher is next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.